Good morning. It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Friday, May 14th, 2021. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. Over the last three years, the number of legal short-term rentals in Sitka's residential neighborhoods has more than doubled. But is the growth impacting the long-term rental market? KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. 23-year-old Victoria Compton has been apartment hunting for months. Her landlord sold their house, and she has to find a new place to live soon. The lifelong Sitkin has a steady job with search, and she's not even looking for her dream home, just a place to call her own. At this point, a roof over our head that we can afford. (laughs) Dishwasher would be nice, but we'll take what we can get. We'll take us and the dogs. That's all that matters to us. Compton has two dogs, Mabel and Molly Bear. But finding a dog-friendly apartment in Sitka is particularly challenging. It's just really hard. Overall, the community is usually like pretty resourceful and helpful, but when it comes to housing, it's uh, definitely you're on your own. Compton has seen some seasonal or short-term rentals advertised on Facebook, and a few people have reached out to her to offer her temporary housing. But she doesn't see that as an option unless things get really desperate. She's looking for a long-term solution. There's so many homes that are seasonal. But I know that is something that other people are trying to get the city to look into and see how problematic seasonal rentals can be. And it's not like you want to, you know, attack the people who do seasonal rentals, but highlight how much of a problem it is when it comes to the benefits of the community. According to city code, a short-term rental is any property rented for 14 consecutive days or less. Anything from a standalone house to a mother-in-law apartment or a single room in someone's home can qualify as a short-term rental in Sitka. They've gained popularity over the last decade as online rental marketplaces like Airbnb and Verbo have exploded. City policies around them vary. In a few residential areas, they're not allowed at all. In others, homeowners must seek planning commission approval. Just like hotels, they're required to pay bed taxes to the city. And in commercial districts, they don't need a permit, which means the city has no good way of tracking exactly how many there are. Sitka has tried to curb the short-term rental market before. In 2005, three years before Airbnb was founded, the Sitka Assembly issued a moratorium on new short-term rental permits in an effort to protect the availability of affordable housing in Sitka. It was lifted in 2007, and in the last three years, the number of known active short-term rentals has more than doubled from 22 in 2017 to 53 in 2020. Obviously, down south, we hear about these, you know, yeah, somebody rented a house on Airbnb and, you know, 700 kids came and had a party. (laughs) And they've made movies about it, you know, and the house ends up in flames. We don't see that too often up here. Tim Riley owns several short-term and long-term rentals in Sitka. The biggest pro? The return is greater on a short-term rental. And despite the narrative about wild Airbnb parties, Riley says short-term rentals see less wear and tear. On the other hand, with a long-term rental, the landlord doesn't have to worry about fluctuations in the tourism economy. Sitka's rainforest environment is rough on housing, too, and property is expensive to maintain. I don't want to put in gold-plated toilets, but at the same time, if I'm going to go to all the trouble to rehab one of my units and pour that kind of money into them, I need 
to charge more rent. And sometimes the rent that I need to charge is more than people are willing to pay on a long-term basis, but I can get it on a short-term basis. Riley also says he has such high turnover in an apartment building he co-owns that they're considering converting a couple of units into short-term rentals. And that checks out with recent trends. While short-term rentals have doubled in Sitka, it's not clear how much that increase has affected the long-term rental market. In fact, in the last year, more long-term rentals have gone vacant. According to a report issued in March by the Department of Labor, the amount of vacant rentals in Sitka has increased to around 14 percent, the second highest rental vacancy rate in the state. But more vacancy doesn't equal more accessibility. When the average wage was factored in, rent in Sitka was considered the least affordable of any community included in the report. Other cities that have experienced a surge in short-term rentals have developed stronger regulations in response. Some cities limit the amount of permits per host, and others require that a short-term rental must be the host's primary residence. At a recent Sitka Planning Commission meeting, around a dozen residents called for the commission to follow suit. While the Planning Commission didn't take any action that night, Victoria Compton hopes the city will make some changes to its policies to keep renters from being pushed out. Just like the many visitors who rent Airbnbs to experience the mountains, ocean, and fresh air, she loves everything about living in Sitka. I still have close family friends who I consider family that are here, and a lot of people I know are here. And my grandparents are buried here, and everything's just here. And soon, she hopes to find a home here, too. Reporting in Sitka, with help from Erin McKinstry, I'm Catherine Rose. After our interview with Victoria Compton, she found a pet-friendly rental. Throughout April and May, KCAW News will be bringing you stories about affordable housing solutions every Friday as part of our Building Solutions series. To find photos and more in-depth reporting, visit kcaw.org slash building solutions. Some Ketchikan businesses have shut their doors, and community events have been canceled after emergency officials raised the community's pandemic risk alert to its highest level. As KRBD's Eric Stone reports, the rise in COVID-19 infections is disrupting everyday life. Oh, it is not three. It is not three. Oh, boy. (laughs) You have to have the excitement in your voice. Schoenbar Middle School students are standing with Dean of Students Kelly Smith in the gym, trying to get to the bottom of just how many times Ozzy Osbourne laughs in the beginning of his hit song, Crazy Train. They're coaching Smith for his role in the Schoenbar Band's end-of-year concert. Music director Jamie Carlson, who leads the Schoenbar Band and choir, says she's been eagerly anticipating the event. I've been really, 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 really looking forward to this opportunity for months since we started planning it, because for many of my students, this is, was going to be the first time they get to perform for a real audience. Was is the key word there. Because of a spike in COVID-19 cases in the Ketchikan area, the concert, like so many other things, had to go virtual. Carlson says that when she heard the local pandemic risk level was rising, leading school officials to cancel many in-person events, it was tough news. Oh man, tears. <laughs> Literally. Uh, I had a few crying spats at home. Uh, don't tell the kids that. I'm trying to be strong. Um, it, it, was a, it was a big, big bummer. She says performing in front of a video camera just doesn't compare to a room full of people. 
Some of them have not had that experience, which I think is so important for the performing arts to get to feel that energy from a live audience. And it's just been a different year for that. With the rise in COVID-19 cases in Ketchikan, the band concert isn't the only event going virtual. The annual Totem to Totem Half Marathon quickly pivoted from an in-person race to a virtual time trial, where runners run at their convenience and report their times. Dancers at Ketchikan Theatre Ballet recently streamed their recital online from an empty high school auditorium. And Ketchikan's hospital is tightening restrictions on visitors, says Jennifer Kalenko, the rehab services manager for Peace Health Ketchikan Medical Center. At this moment in time, um, we are restricting all visitors um, in the emergency department, urgent care, and the hospital. Um, There are some exceptions. One designated visitor may be allowed for labor and delivery, pediatric, cognitively impaired or disabled, and end-of-life patients. She says the restrictions are aimed at making sure patients are able to seek medical care without putting themselves at risk of catching COVID-19. She says hospital staff are happy to help patients and families set up video chats, but Kalenko says some things just don't translate. You know, if you're going in for um, an ultrasound and you have a new baby and you want um, to share that with your spouse, that that would be a change. That kind of thing is is really hard. Uh, You can't really replace that with technology. Hospital officials say Ketchikan's daily case rate would have to fall by at least half before the policy is liberalized. Kalenko says the best way to make that happen is to follow health officials' advice. You know, we've been dealing with this since last year, and I think it's it can be hard sometimes to not become complacent with some of these recommendations. You know, we just need to hang in there. That means masking up in public places, keeping distance, avoiding crowds, and washing hands. And then, of course, last but certainly not least, and very importantly, to consider vaccination. And I think in order to see these things change, we really need to do a combination of all of these things. Back at the middle school, 7th grade trombonist Amuk Bullock says he's a little disappointed that his friends and family can't cheer him on in an auditorium. But then again, it could have been like, oh, well, this person gets COVID. Well, well, that sucks because we just had a concert, so it could have been from that. Plus, Bullock says he's glad his out-of-town relatives can watch him play Crazy Train online. All aboard! <laughs> and he and the rest of the band can count themselves lucky that they got to perform at all. The middle school's choir concert, which was just a few days away, is now on hold after another new case of COVID-19 was discovered in the middle school. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. I'm Peter Apathy, and this has been Raven News.